Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Have you ever been in the zone where you felt like, or the season in your life that you felt like, I'm getting closer to what is my most optimum place in life. Is I'm getting closer to identifying the right path of where I'm supposed to go, who I'm supposed to be around, where, where you're finally putting together the elements of the experience that you had and what God's trying to show you. And you're like, I feel close. <laughs> I feel like I'm just there. Just no cigar just yet, right? That old cliche saying. I have been in this season where I felt like, and I heard this term before, and I haven't really given it much research. I'm just going to blurt it out because it's what's in my mind right now. Of failing forward. Of trying something, exposing myself to something, and then once I do all my part of researching it and, you know, praying about it and doing all that before I actually make the decision, then once I get in it, I realize, mm, either this is not right for me or there's an aspect of this that doesn't benefit me or that I don't benefit in the environment and the environment doesn't suit me. However it goes, I just realize, you know what? No, that wasn't it. And I think that... We look at that as a failure when we should look at it like, no, but you failed forward. Meaning, and that's how I interpret it. Meaning as, you know what? It may not have been for you, but you're closer to figuring out what is. That relationship may not have been for you, but now you have identified what you don't want in your next relationship. What characteristics you're going to watch out for. What red flags you're not going to go ahead and just say, eh, you know, maybe it's pink. No, the flag is red. Pay attention to it. That when you go ahead and you're looking at your next place of residence that you're going to go ahead and look in the corners and make sure that there's no bugs or you're going to make sure you're looking at the neighbors and you're going to drive past it at certain times on Saturdays at night to see if you want to wake up to that on a Saturday morning to see if you want to go ahead and be next to the person that loves the sound of the boom box at night while you're trying to get good sleep but that it didn't fit you just right that particular time that you didn't nail it that particular time but you know what that failure is going to propel you forward to where God has you and wants to take you you see what I'm saying I have been in that season and I have been in that season first on a reluctant side meaning that I felt like bruh you too old to be trying to figure out what you want to do. You too old to be figuring out how you want to go ahead and maneuver your career. You're too old. And I had to rebuke that thought process in and of itself. We have, at least on this side of the earth, have given success or figuring out yourself a time frame. You should be married by this time. You should have a kid by this time. You should have been this far in your career this time. You should blah, blah, by this time, by this time, by this time. And if you meet someone that they're 30, but they're saying, oh, they still live at home with their parents, you like, eh? But you don't even know that person probably got more in the bank than you. They probably learned how to invest. They probably went ahead and said, there's no reason as a single why I should be going ahead and getting in debt or giving somebody else their money. I'll go ahead and help out my parents and let my parents help me out while I'm trying to figure out my life. I'm not living at home with, with a, you know, a, a family of four and, and it's cramped. And so you may have the wrong ideology of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And just because it doesn't fit your norm, you're not going to make my plan taboo. You see what I'm saying? And so I want to shake. I want to take by the ears and shake 
and rattle and dismiss that thing that does not allow you to fail forward. I hate the fact that when someone's trying to come into themselves or reinvent themselves, it's called a midlife crisis. That is so disheartening. Why would you coin something so negatively when it's such a awakening experience? When someone actually has the space in their life to say, okay, if money wasn't an issue with all my talents and everything that I have, what would I want to spend the rest decade or two doing for the rest of my life? I want to wake up and have meaning. Maybe that person felt like in their life they had to work that particular job because of the responsibilities that they had at that time. They had young children. They had children in an expensive school they had that particular debt so it was certain things that people had to do and so when someone gets to a place in their life that they feel like you know what I don't have that had to do pressure on me anymore so now I can go ahead and open the windows and the fumes are going in this room and now that I can see it clearly I want to back out and take all the furniture out and say how would I redecorate this so that I'm comfortable in my life in my skin in my position in my career with my friends with my spouse for the rest of my life. And that takes doing something that other people may look at like, huh? But like I said, don't let somebody else's norm of what you should be doing be a taboo moment for you. I heard this term also, don't let anyone yuck your yum. Meaning if something is mm, fulfilling to you, don't let someone walk past your life and give a ugh to what you're doing. And so I have just been in that zone. That is like, what do you want to do? And, and hush the noise of everyone else. And hush the noise of, you know what, it may not be the best time. You know what, you're going to have to create this space for the best time. You're going to have to give a time frame for what you're willing to do. Real talk, when I read in First Kings that it took Solomon seven years to build what he wanted to build as the temple of God. When I saw that it took him seven years to finish, the first thing that my natural mind said, this is my natural thinking, I was like, bruh, seven years? And I'm reading how fancy it is, the cedar and the, and you know, he was building stuff on the outskirts so that you wouldn't hear the, um, the like, what was that? The I had to call for a quick. Hold on. <coughs> Ugh, I don't know what that was. That was excitement. Got to come on out. Okay, great. All right, and we're back. Cause I don't. Yeah, wait. Hold on. My eyes is watering. Oh, I may have to put you on hold. Get something to drink. Cause I had some salsa. Hold on. <coughs> Ain't working well, and that's fine. Okay, moving forward. So the first thing that I thought was, um, why didn't you scale back, sir? Because of the stuff that he was using in the gold, like he was really like there was no expense. Like Solomon was like, just throw it in a bag. Oh. And what I was saying before the cough attack came on was that he was having them build stuff in another location so that where he wanted the ark, or I'm sorry, the temple of the Lord, he didn't want there to be any sounds of construction there. And so I looked at so many different things that he could have done did differently that would have equated to a faster resolve. But I heard the Holy Spirit so gently nudge me and was like, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted the best to be put in to build in his temple of the Lord. 
He knew that his father, David, wanted to, but God forbid him to do that because he had blood on his hands with Uriah's wife and some other things. So God was like, nah, chill, um, but your son can do it. So maybe he felt like if God trusted that I can do it, then I want to give it my very best. And I couldn't imagine seeing seven years worth of material, expensive material, seeing that the time frame was probably stretched out even more because construction is happening somewhere else. And then you're having them, you know, towed it to somewhere else. And so it was like, I couldn't imagine have sitting next to him and continue to cheer him on for seven years. But you know what was amazing to me? I said, that must have been something that Solomon really, really wanted to do to know that no matter how long it takes, I'm going to fulfill the desire of my heart for this temple of the Lord. And it made me G check myself. Like, are you looking at certain things in your life and giving it time frames and going, ah, it takes so long. Yeah, but nah. Like Solomon could have held off on the gold and could have held off on the pillars and the beans and the way that he was making the ceilings, you know, and the way that he was making the outskirts and the inner court and the outer court. He could have shaved a lot of that down. But when he looked back on his result, would he have been satisfied? Would he have been satisfied with the quicker result? Just because maybe, you know, somebody else in his camp was like, this is getting expensive. Okay. This is taking a long time. Okay. You know, the weather gets inclement around this time and it kind of, you know, works against actually building. Okay. He was willing to factor all that in and still say, okay, but I'm still going to move forward with something that I desire to do. And whenever I'm in a season, God goes ahead and puts things in front of, front of me that just corresponds and relays to where I'm currently at. So here I am making my way downtown to the nail salon. And I listened to a, a podcast called The Love Hour Podcast with um, Kev on stage and his wife, Melissa. And they were talking about in this particular episode, um, you can find it on YouTube. It's called Building a Brand, a Legacy, and an Empire. Um, if you have one of those like podcast apps or whatever, that episode was 129. And Kevin started to talk about something that really piqued my interest. And I can't even put... I don't even want to try to paraphrase. Like, I want you to hear exactly what I heard. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. But, like, listen, real, and I need you to pay attention. Like, I don't want you playing a game on the side. And like, literally, if for no other part, please pay attention to this. So I'm we pretty much going to pick up on where they started talking about what I think was dope. Please hold. I wanted you to briefly, quickly explain the zone of genius for those who haven't read the book. Because I don't, I didn't know, oh, I didn't know what I was saying when I was saying it, but I think you got it with the terminology. Yes. I, I, I'm trying to remember exactly. Basically, there's the zone of competence, means you can do something, you can do something, uh, but other people can do it just as well, if not better. There's a zone of excellence where you do something and not many people in your trade or craft can do it well, right? And there's a zone of genius where you are operating fully in something you excel at. It comes easy to you and other people cannot do it nearly as well. Let's take Beyonce for an example. Okay. Beyonce was great. Mm -hmm. Beyonce was great in Destiny's Child. She was right. a fantastic singer. She was a fantastic lead singer, right? That's her zone of competence uh, or excellence. Beyonce as an actress in Austin Powers is competent. She can act, but there's a lot more people who do this 
much better than she lot. does. Right? I love you, Biba. It's a lot. It's a lot more people. Yeah, her so zone like, of genius. A little generous. But keep going. <laughs> her zone of genius is her Coachella performance. Sure. When you're watching that, you're like. There is not many people on earth that can command this stage and do what she is doing right now. Hardly anybody can do this. So for Beyonce to be at her best, it's better for her to spend her time preparing to do the Coachella performance and eliminate the album than acting in Obsessed, where she stinks <laughs> as an actress. She stinks in Austin Powers, but she is genius level at being Beyonce at Coachella, where you're like, oh, she is in her MF She's better back. Than Michael Jackson. She is very good. And she is probably the best at this. LeBron James playing Game Seven versus LeBron James in Trainwreck. Right. He's just an actor in Trainwreck. In games, you know what I'm saying? So in order to operate in your zone of genius, you have to turn down things that are in your zone of competence or maybe sure. even excellence sure. because you need to operate fully in your genius level. And for me, my marketing ideas come the best when I'm promoting something that I'm in and that I want right. to be a part of. I can be competent or even excellent consulting for your company, but I'm, you're never going to get all of me because if I give you a really good idea, I'm going to be mad at myself that sure. I didn't keep it for myself. Sure. Right? So now I'm like, let me focus 100% on the things that I want to build. And even if I need to turn down some money um, and I have to turn down the provider thing of the husband and the safety and all that, because if I can really kill at this, I'm operating at a better level than me doing that for you. So that's kind of what I'm like, this is me at my very best. And I only want to, and that's also what I want for you, for Josh, for Angel, uh, Tony, Jay, my boys, but each person has to identify their zone of, of genius sure. and then move aside the distractions. I can't get you out of your head. I can tell you what book to read, but I can't identify you for you. What is your zone of genius? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I can't tell you like, let's go list. Let's go. You gotta be the one. And that's why most people won't ever do it. It's not because they don't have a zone of genius. It's because they let fear prevent fear, priorities, whatever, prevent them from operating in their zone of genius, not because they don't have the ability and the capability of doing so. I think the other portion is, I think people look a lot at their zones of excellence. It's competence, excellence, and then genius, right? The hierarchy going up yes yes so i think a lot of people have a lot in the zone of excellence that it's hard to figure out which one is actually your zone of genius okay 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 i'm back listen wasn't that like like the preacher say wasn't that just uh good to you like so first of all, he dropped a lot of different nuggets. So I was like, hold on, Kevin Fredericks, because I never heard of the uh, zone, genius zone. I never heard of it, sir. So let me go ahead and look it up because I'm not going to be, uh, first of all, out of this excellent information. Um, and also, I don't want to talk from something that I'm not clear on. So I went ahead and looked it up. Zone of genius. Come on, sir, get in here. And it was actually a Forbes article that I looked up, just a simple Google. And let me see. 
Okay, so I'm going to just read from it because I just feel like, my goodness. So it says, the problem with the zone of excellence. Well, let me start from the top. Most people build their careers in their zone of excellence, the area of life in which your skills are proficient. The problem with the zone of excellence and the reason why so many people in it are most unhappy is that it is the mastery of that which already exists. It is building out other people's pre-existing needs and ideas. It is a fine line away from the zone of genius, the mental state in which you are actually thriving. And so apparently this is from Gary Hendricks identified four different zones of function in his book, The Big Leap. And I think that they brought it up in that podcast because that was the book that they were reading for that particular time. And it's actually four zones. Kevin mentioned three, but that's why I wanted to go in a little deeper. The first zone is the zone of incompetence. In this zone, mind you, this is all from Forbes.com. Like I got straight from the article. You can go ahead and read it, but we're going to share it like a family. First zone of incompetence. In this zone, you are engaging in something you inherently do not understand or are not skilled at. For example, for me, sales get me out of here, bruh. Having to sell someone something, even if I believe in it, is my kryptonite. I do not. I don't have a desire for it. Um, I could be good at it. I think I had to do a couple of sell things in my day. I think the two experiences that I had was when I was a teller, I had to cross sell some of the Binks products, right? Okay, yay boo. I, I did it because I had a quota to me that was a part of my job description and duties. So I did it out of that. And it was like, oh, okay, I just need to start the conversation. I need to have someone else land it. Okay. And then I was an assistant manager at a shoe store when I lived in New York. And, you know, having someone come in and be like, hey, can I see those in a size whatever? was nothing for me to go to the back and be like, oh, they don't have it in this size, but let me bring out a few other options that's around this style. To me, that's not selling. That's you already came in with the preconceived notion that you were going to buy or do some kind of work. I'm just saying, hey, what about this transaction? Sales to me is... I know that this is your, you came in with a $2,000, what can I do with this? And now I done flipped it and got you invested in $50,000 or that something that you didn't even know you needed, I've now discussed with you and now you need it. I'm not going to hold you. That's why my coaching thing that I started for a hot minute, and I mean Mui Caliente minute, um, didn't go so well. Because I'm only going to tell you, but so many times, hey, I have something that will help your life. <laughs> Hey, Shevin inspired. Hey, it's only so many times I'm going to do that. I just, I don't want to do it. I'm, I do not do well in the um, marketing of something and getting someone to see. And it's not my strong point. I don't want to do it. So in this zone, this will very much be my zone of incompetence. Second zone, the zone of competence. In this zone, you are doing what you are efficient at, but recognize that many people are likewise efficient at it, thus not distinguishing your capabilities in any significant way. To me, this is something like, okay, you do, you do scanning good at the grocery store. Okay, scanning is not, listen, you probably are friendly, okay? And that personable trait's gonna take you far. But guess what? It's not something that sets you apart because now stores have self-checkout, sir, ma'am. 
Yeah, if your job description of being the scanner or the bagger was just something that is like, listen, this is just for an elite group of people, they wouldn't have it where Robbie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike or anyone could do it. So to me, it's like, yeah, you scan well, but so does everybody else. So what? Like, what would that mean? I mean, that's cute, but there's other people. Uh, there's a dom- it's, it's not a dime a dozen. It's literally... Everyone could possibly do that. When, when my daughter was younger, that was something that was fun to her. Because she scanned. And literally, she probably couldn't even probably spell scan. And she did good at it. Just poop, you like the noise, put it in the bag. Good job. Poop, you like the noise. Mommy, can I put the money in? Sure. Listen, it's so easy a baby can do it. Right? So that's pretty much the zone of competence. Three. The zone of excellence. In this zone, you are doing something you are tremendously skilled at. Often, the zone of excellence is cultivated, is practiced, and established over time. Let me explain something to you. I don't know if you know your girl, right? I don't know if you know your girl, but um, the talk realm, speaking realm, um, anything to conjure up conversation raise my hand uh, yeah I, I'm your girl um it, it is nothing for me to spark up something conversation wise let someone feel warm and welcome um get inspired by something that someone said that's why half of the conversations that we have is guess what happened to me today because I get so much material from just living everyday life like I know sometimes you be on the other line like Watch, she's going to say something happened to her today. But it really did, though. Like, I pinky promise you, these are not, like, I'm not, I'm not just, like, I can't act. That's not my thing. Like, I'm, like Kevin says, I'm the Beyonce of acting. I can do it, but eh, not so much. Okay, great. Um, But, like, this stuff really does happen, and it's coming, coming from a, an excellent place. And talking and getting someone to understand something or teaching something, I give you... <laughs> I give you an amazing example, and they're probably going to be embarrassed, but they can have a nice day because I made them. I showed my children, uh, um, because I was claiming and professing, and I was like, I want you guys to touch and agree. I showed them a dollar amount, right? The dollar amount was $727,585.18. When I showed my son, he was like, oh, okay. I said, how much money is this? He said 727700 And I, I said, what? Okay, time out. So then I went to my daughter. I said, say this amount. And she was like, 727000 I said, oh, I'm sorry. So I went right into teaching mode. The, the comma makes you say thousand. The decimal point makes you say dollars. So I just put on the calculator 727.00. How much is this? My daughter says $727. I said, what made you say dollars? She said the decimal. I looked at my son. I said 727.00. How much is this? He says 7,700. I said, what made you say thousand? He was like, the comma. And I took a good five minutes to be like, no. Because something that I work well in is not only just talking, but I teach well. 
If my intention is to get you to get something, you're going to get it. And I'm no mathematician, okay? I am nobody's math teacher. But as for me and my house, I can't self-proclaim we're going to be millionaires and this, that, and the third. And you looking at commas and decimals and you getting it mixed up talking about 727, What are you talking about, sir? I took the good prenatal pills when I was pregnant with you, Okay. The kind that constipated me. So you are going to pay that back to me in real time by being smart today. And my voice getting a little shaky because those pills was no joke. But we're going to get back to the subject at hand. And so my area of excellence is I'm a teacher at heart. That's what I am. No, 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 no. You are not going to see something wrong. Be in my presence. And I continue to let you see that wrong. I can't let that happen. Okay, okay, great. That's just my thing. And then the final zone, the zone of genius. Mm, that just sounds excellent. I like it. I kind of want to put it on a t-shirt or something, but okay, great. It says in this zone, you are capitalized on your natural abilities, which are innate rather than learned. This is the state in which you get into flow find ceaseless inspiration and seem to not only come up with work that is distinguished and unique but also do so in a way that excels far beyond what anyone else is doing Mm, I have a perfect example about this and I was trying to hold off on this until our next conversation that we were going to have that I was triggered by the other day but we're going to go ahead and talk about it now you know that I work right now in this space, in the HR, human resource realm, right? Because that's why I'm pretty much trying to go ahead and jumpstart my third career. Have a nice day. And that's me, and that's how I want to go ahead and live my life. And so I'm in an office, and an employee walks in and was looking for the HR manager. He goes over to the HR manager, and and he was speaking in a low voice. And the way that, pause, the way that God wired me, is that I am absolutely phenomenal in encouraging and uplifting. It is my thing. It is my zone of genius. Nobody else has to pay me to do it. I've been doing this since I've been a child. I've been honing in on how to do this with excellence. And I know that I know that I know that if I'm in an area where I can put my imprint and press upon that encouragement and uplifting to whoever needs it, that I will be the one that God uses first. I understand that if I keep my ears open to God, he will show me through my eyes who he wants me to help in that area because it is my zone of genius. So resume. The employee is talking to the HR manager and I heard him say something along the lines of he just got a phone call, he needs to leave, and I heard that somebody died. And immediately, whatever I was doing, whatever song that I was listening to just wasn't enough to like, you know, let me mind my business because that's not my. No, because sometimes God gives you an inclination to go ahead and nudge you to listen to a thing, to see a thing, to observe something and, and be an audience to it. Not for your entertainment, but because he wants you to put your imprint on it. And so he walked out after the HR manager was like, oh, my gosh. And the person that was standing next to her was the housekeeper. And she was like, hey, are you okay to drive home? He was like, yeah, I'm okay. So the HR manager says, okay, well, keep me posted. And he walks away. Immediately, God was like, 
she didn't do what needs to be done, but that's why I had you there. So I walked, closed my door, walked over to um, where he was at, and I was like, what did I hear you say? And he said, well, my sister was in a bad car accident. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus, not my sister. His sister was in a bad car accident with her spouse. Her spouse died, and they took her to the hospital. He needs to leave. I said, are you okay? He was like, yeah, I will be. I said, okay. I walked to the front where I knew he was going to punch out. And I spoke to the other person that's the iron that we sharpen each other at the job. She's also in the HR department. So I relayed the message to her. And when she heard it, she was like, hmm. It, 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 it saddened her. It brought her to tears. And so at that time, when she was able to get herself together, he came out and he said, you know, when it rains, it pours. And so I asked him to go a little bit deeper into that. And he explained that he just lost his brother, older brother last year. And then a couple of months ago, he just lost his other brother. And then not today. He was like, when it rains, it pours, you know. And he's just trying to, you know, he's an older man. He's about 67, I think he last told me. And, you know, he's the CPR teacher. So, you know, he comes in and he teaches and he goes about his business and you know he, he he's just to me he has that aura of the granddad everybody loves you see what I'm saying and so when I looked in his eyes I said do you feel heavy and he said I'll be all right but I looked in his eyes and God showed me his soul and his soul was heavy and so I said can I pray for you and he said sure I said are you okay with me touching your shoulder he said sure and I prayed from my pinky toe up. I was a little nervous, but I knew that God put me in that opportunity for a time such as this. And when he left, the other, my, the iron that sharpens iron, the other person that was in HR, she was like, whoo, that was powerful. And I told her, I said, there's no way that I could have been in a, in a position of power as an HR manager. Somebody tells me something that heavy, and the conversational piece that I leave him with is, okay, well, just let me know. No, 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 no. Somebody's hurting. Somebody's, oh, my, like, this man just said something that just dropped on him and had him change literally his whole entire day. And so what the response was from my coworker was, you know what? I'm not there yet. You know, I feel like I take on what people feel and I just stay there. I don't do. I said, but that's your wiring. Maybe God wired you that when somebody's feeling something, you get in the boat with them and you hug them and you like, I feel you and I'm here with you. And that just may be your gift. That just may be your wiring. My wiring is I see somebody down and God uses the, the, the area of excellence, which is my mouth, which is my words, which is my connection to God. And he says, do what you do best, baby. And I said, God, <laughs> let's go. Put me in, coach. And I saw her and I turned it around to healing. I saw her and I turned it around to uplifting. Not because I'm great. Not because I'm, I'm Jesus Jr., but because I know my zone of genius. And God knew. I said, God, if you put me anywhere where somebody needs me, I will be used. I don't care if it inconveniences me. I don't care if it interrupts me. Because when I saw Jesus moving and how Jesus moved, I said, every time that he did something great for somebody else, he was interrupted to where he was going. I could have sat in my office and been like, listen, well, that's how she handles it. If I ever was in her position as an HR manager, I wouldn't carry it that way. But it has to be bigger than that. 
that. It has to be to the point that you like, yo, if it's in my line of scrimmage, if I can see it, if it's in my sight, if it's in my, if I can hear it, if it's in a zone where I can hear it, I can see it, any of my senses, then that means that I'm a part of it. And if I'm a part of something, then it cannot leave without my imprint. Because God gave me a certain set of skills, almost like Liam. It's like a taking. He gave me a certain set of skills that if I don't use it, other people suffer. No way that man was going to leave the, that facility at, at, with that heavy information and have to drive to go see his, his sister and have to do all that. No way. And you know what he said to me after I prayed? Thank you. Can you also pray for my family? I said, I pinky promise I would. I pinky, pinky promise that I will. There are too many people, as I've been singing, and it's been echoing in our conversations lately. It is too many people in, power, in positions of power will poison his hearts. That's why I don't ever, and this has been my silent prayer, and I'm going to speak it out loud. I don't ever want to be in a position that I'm not called to. I don't ever want to be in a position that I'm not equipped by God. Because like we just, when I was telling you in the prior conversation with Solomon, the fact that he was able to say, God, give me an understanding heart because who can govern these people so that I can know good from bad. It's like, yo, to do something great, you got to be led by God to do that thing. Otherwise, you'll be sitting in a seat of power talking about, okay, just let me know. That's not your coworker. That's an employee that just says something tragic happened to me. And your response was, okay, just let me know, which is AKA just keep me updated. Yes, so he gets to keep updating you, but how do you feed him? How do you reciprocate that to when he's giving you something bad, you shine it off and dust it off and do it as something good. And I had to hold myself. I said, listen, she can't do it. That's not her area of genius. That's not even her area of excellence. That's not even her area of competence. That's her level of incompetence. Because you know why? Her level that she operates in is gossip. Her area that she thrives in is strife. And so when opportunities like this come across her path, she don't know what to do with it outside of spreading it thinner than what it was. Hmm. Something about getting closer to identifying the zone of genius. It's just absolutely, it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. And reading this article and, and seeing all this, it made me want to even go back to look at some scripture. And so I was saying to myself, I'm like, man, is that what was meant by like the talents like when Jesus gave that parable in Matthew 25, 14, like is that what it meant when he was like, first of all, he gave everybody a different amount, but he said he only gave them that amount because it was according to their ability. And then I was like, ooh, okay. And so I seen that the one who had the most, he flipped it and he made it more. And then the one that had the median amount, he flipped it and made it the same amount that was given. And then the one that was given like a little bit, he buried it. It was like, eh. And it's almost like I wanted to ask myself, well, was that just his level of incompetence? Was he that fearful that he didn't move past the fact that he had a harsh, you know, boss? That it was like, I don't want to do anything with this, so I'm not going to do anything with what was given to me? Matter of fact, let's not even bring so. Let me just go ahead and just read it out loud. Matthew 25, verse 14, you know we read from the NLT version. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. 15. 
He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. 17. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. 18. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. 19. After a long trip, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. 20. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. 21. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's go. 22. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you have gave me, or you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more 23 the master said well done boy well done my good and faithful servant you have been faithful in handling this small amount so now we'll give you many more responsibilities let's go celebrate together 24 then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said master um I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. 25, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. 26, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. 27. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. 28. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be be taken away and I was like O-M-Jizzle oh my goodness like if we can't see the illustration of do what you do best you know what I don't even think that that the other servant that was given the little bit I don't think that it was a matter of him saying like I don't know what to do with it I think it's a matter of that he allowed fear to cripple him because I'm sure that he was around knowing, okay, uh, somebody, the other two servants, one got five, the other one got two. Like, y'all got other money. If he didn't know, the bare minimum he should have did was, A, what, what you do with your five? Yo, real quick, what you do with your two? At least ask a question or two. But, but not to do nothing, to let fear cripple, to let fear paralyze. Like, at this point, oh, my goodness. It's like, could you have done something better? No longer could you use the um, the excuse of, I didn't know. Did you try to find out? Especially in this era, there is so much information. There is Google. There are seminars you can go to. There, there, there is YouTube University. There are so many things. You cannot no longer say, I didn't know what to do with my talent. I didn't know what to do with my money. I didn't know what to do with my family, my career. There is too much information out there now in these days. And at some point, you're going to have to be responsible with, with what did you do with it? 
Because even though that this is a parable, it's real talk. You're going to be asked that at the end of your life. Not to be morbid or anything, but you're going to be asked that. And God is not going to want to hear, you know, I couldn't get ahead because of the corporate world. Or, you know, I had too many responsibilities and then I had kids at this time. And then I went and got married and then I moved to this part. And, you know, it's not really no money in this part of the earth. And then I really and God's going to look at you like, really? The least you could have done was just go ahead and do a little bit. Just put some, put it away for, for, for the rainy day. Do something with it. You didn't do anything. Like nothing at all. Almost like I didn't give you anything. Like maybe the boss was so upset at the dude who did nothing with the talents because you almost reflected like I didn't give you anything or that you looked at what was given to you like it wasn't much. Are you looking at your gifts that way? Like, are you looking at how you do a thing, but you know someone who does it better? So you're like, eh. Or you're looking at what you have, but looking at somebody else's gift and you like, see, if I had that, I would really, you know, I would do this, this and this, but I only have this talent. So I went ahead and looked that up in Romans 12, Romans 12, 8. That's why it is the mantra of everything that I do for inspiring, for encouraging, for all things uplifting. 12, 8, Romans 12, 8. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I remember there was once a time that I looked at my husband and I was like, man, I wish I had your calling. Because God called my husband to be a pastor. He called my husband to open up a church. He called my husband. He ordained him. My husband knows exactly what God wants him to do. And I said, man, that would feel so much more comfortable to me than trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. I felt like knowing, okay, I'm supposed to build a church, that it would just be, okay, so I just need to go ahead and focus my attention on the how-tos, right? My husband looked at me and I had this conversation with you before. My husband looked at me and was like, what? I would love to have your calling. It's like everything you do, if you have an interest within it or to it, it, it just, it cultivates it. It grows. It's like you can take anything and say, I want to do this and be great at it. That's amazing to me. And I was like, that feels unstable to me. He was like, no, that's just, that's encouraging to see that you can go from one thing to another and say, eh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, and you just leaving tracks of excellence as you go. It's like everything that you were approach it's like you put your hand to it and it's just excellent and I'm like really that's how you see it sir because I see yours like it's I'm a planner so I see yours as oh okay I got put it as the aim right aim and objective open up a church cool and I'm gonna spend the rest of my days trying to figure out how to do that in excellence me I'm like well I'm good at this but I'm also good at that but then I oh and so I'm 
I'm moving with what I think I'm good at, what I think I want to do. I sample it. I get exposed to it. I taste it. And then I realize, mm, that's too bland. That's too salty. I'm sorry. <laughs> the spice in that is too much. And I'm looking at certain things and I'm like, man, am I ever going to find something that I like to eat? And my husband is like, but look at all that you're getting exposed to. It's honorable. And I'm like, really? So now that I can put it into zones and realize just go into your zone of, of genius. I can really start to manifest and cultivate. Ah, because I'm good at decorating. I think that I do well with, with the decor thing. I could evoke an emotion in you because I wanted you to feel that with this color scheme. But then I wanted you to feel relaxed. So I put this color scheme. And it's a couple of things that I'm good at. But I wouldn't feel fulfilled being an interior decorating for the rest of my life. Trust and believe, went ahead and looked up how to do that and what school to go to and blah, blah, blah. But it didn't, it wasn't the utopic part of my soul that felt like, man, if I did that every day, I would feel like I never went to work. It wasn't that, but I'm good at it. I'm also good at mm, proving a point, but I'm not good at teaching. I don't have the patience for it. I can do those little, like I did with my children with the numbers. I can do that little five, ten minute situation, and then I'm done. Have a nice day. You can have a nice day because I'm done. I'm I'm irritated. Even in that five to ten minutes, I told my daughter, you, you say thousand one more time when you see a decimal, you're going to have a problem. I can't tell nobody's child that. And being a public school setting, being all kind of trouble at the principal's office as an Adele, I'm not going to put myself through that kind of whatever. So now that I know how to cultivate the, a thing, what to narrow it down to, I started seeing things differently. I reposted something after um, Chat Chatwick Bozeman once he passed, and it has been lingering in my mind, and I wanted to read it to you. It says, and this is a quote exactly from him. You know Chatwick, you know Wakanda forever. Him, right? The, the excellent Black Panther, you understand? So it says... When I stand before God at the end of my life, I will hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I use everything you gave me. Oh, my goodness. Gosh. And you know what the beautiful part is? We recognize that he did that. We recognize once he passed that he accomplished exactly that. So as far as I'm concerned, well done, thy faithful servant. Well done, thy faithful servant. My challenge to you is to have a humble assessment of yourself. That's why I have those these conversations like, do you know yourself? And all these other conversations, because it's important to your livelihood. It's important to your calling. It's important to where God is taking you. You need to know you to know where you're supposed to be and what you're where you're not supposed to be. I want you to go back and identify the four zones. The area of incompetence, the area of competence, the area, the zone of excellence, the zone of genius. But I want you to spend your very waking breath. Every moment, every second that God gives you, you should be honing in on your zone of genius. I know that I am, especially after reading this. No more are we giving time to the things that we do okay with. No longer. I don't want to live my life in an area I was just good at. I want to live in a, in a posture in my life that all I did was excused excellent. That my very, the connections in my life looks like 
excellence just grew and grew and manifested to the point that I was able to teach other people what I knew, tell other people what I know without feeling like, that crab in a barrel type of mentality where it's like, I don't want you to know because if you know, you may take my idea. Listen, you can't take something that I'm genius in. And even if you did, it would never be the way that I do it. You know what? Apple probably did not create the first computer ever. And I know that they didn't. But there's other computers out there, right? And what if Apple felt like, no, 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 no. I don't want everybody knowing how we do our situation and how we go ahead and put together, um, you know, the iOS. And because, you know, somebody may copy it let me explain something to you I feel that them people over there in Apple are so competent that they're like Acer Dell <laughs> HP whatever y'all want to call yourselves you can go ahead and put your ear in you could even have spies uh, you know covered as employees but you would never be able to duplicate Apple because that's the imprint that God put on me I want you to identify exactly that. I purposely and unpurposely, not even, well, unintentionally, made this the longest convo that we've had up to date because this is important. When I talk about the rest of your life, I don't play when it comes to that because we already know, you know life is fleeting. And we don't know the days and we don't know all these different things. But what we do know is as long as we have another day, that means that God said, okay, then you should be closer to today, which you weren't closer to yesterday. Do you understand what I'm trying to drive home? Please shake your head. Yes. You shaking your head. Yes. A little bit. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I want us to be great together I want us to be great as a community I want us to reach a level that no one else like when you look at your circle and you look at the people around you and you look at your own steps I want you to see there's nothing but geniuses around you in their own particular way with their own particular wiring I want you to see geniuses within you and around you do you understand that you're not in trouble, but I had to say it that way. But I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations. Conversations that not everybody else is going to give you, but you know what? You can count on your girl. Do you understand that? Okay, great. All right, but I know you heard my dog barking in the middle of that, so I'm going to go ahead and see what he's doing. And he may get these hands. I don't know how that goes. Yes, I got a dog. Yes, if you've been following me on anybody's social media platforms, you would have known that, but I digress. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Um, We'll talk later, okay? Later.